All right. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. What a week for Tennessee football time. Just a lot of news time. The guy I'm on this podcast with jinxed it by saying it was going to be a slow week time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Back in the studio after a couple weeks off. It's like my own house. I'm trying to remember what it looks like in here. Got a different vibe, I think. I don't know. Just feels different. Anyways, not just me on this podcast, guys. Also, from his house, I would say, I'm not going to say what part of Knoxville it's in because we all know how well our good friend Pat Brown guards his uh, guards his private life, but uh, somewhere in the metropolitan Knoxville area, it is Patrick Brown coming to us. Pat, my man, what is going on? Well, two things. First of all, um, you, you could say where my house is located, and I would just deny it. First of all, <laughs> deny, deny, deny. <laughs> it's the principle I live by, live my life uh, by. It's Cleveland. It's Cleveland, Tennessee. Just kidding. It's not. Um, and the other thing is that I don't think I said that I thought it would be slow because it's Tennessee and it's never slow. I just, you know, I was. We were in Jacksonville for six days. I was looking forward to like, okay, let, let's chill out for a minute. Just for a couple then days. The vol, then the Vols were like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah. And then we've had this week. Yeah. It actually, it didn't even it didn't even start this week. It started the weekend when, uh, uh, with the David Johnson decision and then his departure to Florida State. So, yeah, yeah. we're recording this on Thursday night, so we're officially like one week into the off season, and already so much has happened. It's very ty- typical Tennessee, but in it's sort of also atypical Tennessee because a lot of it has been. Uh, really positive, especially the last few days. Yeah, and then it's actually it's just funny because Ramey and I, when right when we got back from Jacksonville, like a day later, I think, or a day and a half later or something, we were heading over to Missouri, which, by the way, was not as not quite as warm as uh, Jacksonville, Florida was. Uh, and then came back here, and then there's this news. So basically, um, like, I, I my eyes are, like, just barely awake. Just they're like barely open right now. It, it, it's that time. Also, I should tell you this before we move on and talk about Tennessee football. I'm pretty sure Pat Patrick uh, lost my glasses because one awesome. of us somehow when we were down in Jacksonville, Florida, my spe- my spectacles went missing, and I, I, I'm not going to blame myself. So that left only one person. But regardless, Pat, huge, huge, huge news for Tennessee. I'm not going to say it's shocking news. Um, but perhaps at least a little bit surprising as compared to where things were for most, most, dare I say, most of this process. Bottom line, all SEC offensive lineman Trey Smith on Thursday announced that he plans to return to the University of Tennessee for his senior season. Uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about with that. Uh, we're going to do three segments in this podcast. It's going to be uh, me and Pat talking in segment one, and then we're going to break away to segment two where we're going to hear from Trey Smith himself. Uh, and Jeremy Pruitt talking about Trey Smith's decision and what all went into that. And then we'll come back, and, and Pat and I will we'll get out of here by by talking about kind of what this means for Tennessee going forward. But but just, Pat, for the news itself, uh, we've kind of been hearing for a couple of days that things had started trending at least a little bit in this direction, like this thing could go this way where he could come back. And then Thursday he went ahead and removed all doubt and said it. 
Yeah, and uh, I, I got to be honest, for most of the season, I figured, okay, enjoy the last few games of watching Trey Smith, Tennessee fans, because um, he was playing really well. Uh, it seemed to, you know, the, the medical situation he's had to deal with with the blood clots, uh, he seemed to overcome it, <clears throat> you know, playing every week, playing well despite having, what, two full contact practices the whole season. Yeah, for 12 months. Uh, it, it kind of, For a long time, it kind of felt like, okay, he, he he's going to go pro. And it felt like he needed to go pro because given his medical situation, who knows how long his body's going to let him play football at a high enough level to get paid to do so. So go get paid while you can, young man. But, um, and we, you know, we talked to Trey, I talked to Trey after the, after the bowl game and, you know, moments before work, he kind of celebrated and kind of soaked the moment in like it was like he, like he was playing his last game, asked him about it afterwards. He said he didn't know. And then, um, really once they got back, he really, he really do, uh, dove in with his family and, and kept in touch with the coaching staff. Didn't really tell a whole lot of people what he was doing, but, uh, I think when he weighed all the factors, he got a grade to come back from, uh, the NFL advisory committee. Um, and something that he said on, on Thursday that was interesting to me is, you know, we, we talked to him a lot throughout the season and just about at every turn, uh, every interview he did, it was, Hey, how are you playing? How are you playing? He's, he kept saying, I'm not playing good enough. I'm not playing good enough. He said it again on, on Thursday, and it uh, it made me think that in his mind, he thinks he can play better. Um, and he thinks he can raise his stock even more. And I think that was probably the biggest um, factor in him coming back was uh, he, he thinks that he can be – he thinks he has enough talent to be a first-rounder to make, you know, uh, and make, you know, the, get the big, the big contract and the big signing bonus that the first-rounders get. So um, that's what stuck out to me. But, yeah, you know, this week – kind of started here and early and i think we talked about all on these podcasts that we did in jacksonville that it was kind of a coin flip it was kind of 50 50 tennessee felt like you know they kind of make a pitch to get him to come back and um sort of as, as we talked to some people this week it felt more and more likely that hey he might be coming back and uh <laughs> i thought it was a great line on on his part to to kind of borrow what Peyton manning said at his press conference when he announced coming back the oh, uh, yeah oh yeah i'm never looking I mean, back I, yeah yeah it was, it was a good line and i and, and Obviously, Peyton is held in such high esteem uh, and should be, but uh, I think Trey has done enough um, for this program, even in just three years, from you know committing right after they had that horrific loss to Vanderbilt um, a couple of years ago, and then literally putting his life on the line to keep playing for for the Vols. I think he's he's warranted the ability to to borrow that line. So I thought that was a good touch by him on on Thursday. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, uh, Jeremy Pruitt used a line on Thursday um, that he had told me before, and he he came out and said it uh, to everyone during the or after the press conference Thursday when he said that Trey knows his value, and he knows right now that that he's not being valued uh, what he should be, and, and that 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 line resonated with with me when I heard it the first time, and it resonated with me again Thursday because I think that was the biggest argument um, that Pruitt had in his corner uh, trying to, to talk uh, Trey and maybe coming back. And, and I don't even want to say it like that, like he's trying to talk him into it. I, I think Pruitt the entire time in his mind, and I know that Pruitt in his throughout this entire process, he thought the best thing for Trey Smith to do was to come back. And it, it was a slight risk, of course, with the health situation, but he thought it'd be more of a risk to leave money on the table um, you know, kind of sell yourself short by going now, wh whereas the risk could be 
Um, you know, maybe you come back for another year and you end up showing that you can do this and you can do it for two years in a row. You play even better, and then those physical questions are always going to be there, but they'll kind of go on the back burner a little bit, uh, and you can play yourself into more money. And, and I think that was something that, that, that Pruitt thought the whole time, but Pruitt never sat there and told – Trey Smith, listen, man, you got to do this, you got to do that. He he was very honest with Trey and his family the entire time and said, listen, if these guys tell you you need to go, then you need to go ahead and go. But I think they're going to tell you you need to come back, uh, and I'm going to have your back no matter what you do, um, but I kind of think it'd be, it might be better for you to come back. And, and I think Pruitt and Trey Smith have an honest enough relationship, and I think Trey Smith dealt with some other people um, you know, kind of, you know, some NFL people uh, who, who kind of also trusted Pruitt. I think there was some respect there, and I think he believed what Pruitt was telling him. And I think he honestly believes that he can come back and do a couple things. One, uh, he can play better, and two, he if they can get this medicine tweaked, he might be able to even go through at least one contact practice during the week, uh, which would be huge for him. Because if you can show the NFL that you can go through one contact practice a week, uh, that's the most they ever do basically. During the season, they almost never touch each other except for on game days. So if he can prove that he can play two years in a row and he can keep playing better and better and he can kind of get those questions minimized a little bit, I think he can make himself more money. And I think he believes that. And plus, he can come back and get his degree, which he'll finish here in May. So I think, Pat, no matter what decision he made, there was going to be a risk here. Uh, But and. It, it may have been a coin flip, but I, I still think uh, you come back, you get your degree, and you come back and you have a chance to go play into more. So I, I get why he made this decision. I'm not going to say it was right or wrong because I think either one is risky, but I can't say this was the wrong decision. No, and, and you always want – you know, we see a lot of these situations where, where these guys, whether it's the NFL or the NBA, you know, they announce these decisions, and um, sometimes you, they – certain guys make them you're like what are they thinking Uh, that's not you're never gonna have that situation with trey he's too um polished and and mature and smart to 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 kind of jump anything jump in anything without having researched it um to the fullest and uh and certainly he he really dove in once the team got back and, and really dove into the all the factors of of this decision um and so whatever he decided, it was going to be a very well-informed decision. He was going to have uh, input from the NFL, obviously input from Pruitt, input from doctors, all those things. And uh, to me, that was always one of the, um, you know, a lot of people would say that his medical situation would be a red flag in the NFL. Uh, I I would think an NFL team would review what they did to get him on the field um, and say, hey, we can replicate that or maybe even improve upon it with, with, you know, the resources they have at that level. So, um, but the thing that, that, you know, and I gotta be honest, I didn't, you know, Trey said some stuff at the podium after he made his announcement. I was trying to get our story up on our side. Oh, yeah, we're, go, yeah, so we're, I, we're always juggling. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk more about what he said kind of to the side when he, when he talked to another smaller group of reporters for about five minutes. And so I thought that was a lot more, uh, enlightening. He, he shed a little bit more, uh, into his decision there, but, um, you know, obviously he, he's, he's a very family oriented guy, um, with the situation with his mother passing away while he was younger. Uh, he made two promises to his mom. One was to get his degree and the other was to play in the NFL. And both those are right there on the table for him. Um, and he's going to get his degree in May. So that'll be one. Um, and then certainly he, 
will have the chance to play in the NFL. And he could have taken it this year. But uh, one thing he said that I thought was really interesting is 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 this this guy loves Tennessee. He loves playing for the Vols. It's his home state. Um, it means a lot to him. Uh, but he said at the end of the day that this was a business decision. That's something you said about him knowing his value. Uh, I think that's sort of kind of what this decision for Trey boiled down to is that he, you know, it's a business decision. It's business at, at the NFL level. Um, and, and it's a chance for him to improve his value and, and increase his potential earnings with, with coming back. And um, if he's able to play at a higher level and play at a much more consistent level, obviously uh, nobody has more lofty expectations for Trey than Trey Smith does. I mean, that guy is, Probably a perfectionist. I think he would probably say that. Um, That's fair. But he thinks he can play a lot better. And I think he also thinks that, you know, he now is not really sort of feeling out the process of what his medical plan is going to be. And, and and now he knows, having been through it for a season, that he can trust it. Um, and, and so he, he can trust his, you know, trust the doctors, trust the plan they've got for him, trust the medicine, well, all, the, all, the, all those aspects. Um, and something else that he pointed out, too, is that this will be the first time in his career that he's been in the same system for two years. And he, he talked about early in this season, having to rely on Brandon Kennedy a lot for, for knowing what to do and what plays were called and what he needed to do every play. And, you know, another off season of, of spending time in the film room, having played in this, in the offense for, for a season, having gotten more comfortable in it as that season went, I think he thinks he can be near perfect as an offensive lineman. And, um, and that's what he tries to strive for. And he's, if he's able to do that, if he's able to show an NFL team that uh, the medical plan that, that they have him on to manage his situation can work again, then there's a chance for him to uh, improve his stock. Now, it's interesting to me that he got a grade, um, and we were discussing this a little bit in the, uh, this a- uh, on Thursday afternoon, but when you submit feedback, you get – what one of three things you either get a first round grade, you either get a second round grade, or you get recommended to come back to school, right? Yes. Yeah, because it used uh, to. You, it, recomm- yeah, you used to get either. Got- yeah, you used to get either first round grade, a second through fifth round grade, or a comeback. And now they changed that to you get first round, second round, or maybe you should come back. Yeah, and Trey got the come, you know, the one to come back. But what's interesting to me is that I think CBS Sports has him in a mock draft, has him as a late first rounder, and so, you know, it it, it would just take one team to review all, all of the factors with Trey, see how he plays, see that you can manage the medical side of his situation and say, I'm going to spend a first or second round pick on this guy. He'll be my starting right or left guard for the next 10 years. I mean, that, that's kind of how guards are. It's not the most glamorous position. It's not as glamorous as, um, as offensive tackles are. I mean, really not going to ever see maybe a, a, a guard taken in the you know top five or whatever. But, um, you know that that's a situation where uh, he he could solidify his spot potentially as as the best guard in whatever his draft class is, whether it was this year or next year. Obviously, now it'll be next year. Uh, and if he goes out there and plays the way he's capable of, and plays like he did the last half of the season, uh, and and gets even better, he he can solidify himself as a as a for sure first rounder. And obviously, that's where the the big money is, and that's where uh, he thinks um, his value can be best. And something he said over the side on Thursday was that you want to go when your stock is the highest. And he, I don't think he came out and said it word for word, but he, he made it sound like he didn't think his stock was as high as it could be. And so uh, that's going to be his focus on uh, um, uh, in returning is, is getting that as, as high as it can be so he can maximize his value at the next level. Yeah. I think he, he, he wasn't necessarily shocked by, by the, by getting that grade from the committee. I think he, 
I don't want to say expected it, but he knew that was possible uh, because of one, maybe, you know, some a little bit of rust from not being able to practice uh, as much. And then because of, quite frankly, because of the, the medical situation, it, it's different. So I don't think he was shocked by that. Uh, I, I think what, what he had heard um, was that some people liked him as high as the second round and some thought he was more of a fifth round or sixth round or, or maybe not even a take because of that the, the question marks there with the health stuff anyone would have brought him in for a camp there's no question about that but I think he got just enough feedback that was all over the place that when it's all over the place like that you can either put a lot of faith in yourself that you're going to go there during the workouts and interviews and prove everybody wrong and move up the board or you're going to still go into the draft as kind of a question mark and you start sliding nobody wants to take you and 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 I think in his mind now I I do believe that that he loves the University of Tennessee I do believe that he wants to get that that degree that he promised his mom but I think if they came back and said you're a first round pick I, I think he would say you need to go uh, and I think people would tell him to do to do that, and I think even Pruitt would tell him that, and I think he would probably do that. Getting that grade, I think, maybe just sort of firmed up his mind a little bit to, okay, now I don't necessarily have to go. I, maybe I should come back. And Because I, I, I think when he first came to school, I think he thought of himself as a three-year player because what five-star prospect out there does not see themselves as a three-year player? And then it's almost like if you don't come out for three years, you're some kind of a disappointment or, or, or you're some kind of a bust or, or something like that. And, and that's a warped it, mindset, but I think people do believe that, at least about themselves sometimes in those situations. So I, I do think that he went into this process maybe feeling a little bit of pressure to go, and I think as the process went on, he felt more calm about coming back. Yeah, and, and I'd throw even you know the three-year thing is that after his first year when he was – you know, an all freshman All American played three different spots, was you know a bright spot in an otherwise disastrous season for Tennessee. You, you, at that point, you're thinking the, the two more years out of this guy, he's going to go make millions of dollars, which is why the you know when the, when the news hit about his blood clots in his lungs that that uh, that February, it was just like, I mean, you you really kind of felt for it. you know in this business we're not supposed to you know we're supposed to try to stay neutral and objective and yeah, but and, we're human. You know, but we're human, and and it's hard not to. You know, Trey Smith's a really hard, a really guy, a really hard guy not to like, and not to have a lot of respect for the way he handles himself, uh, the way he's handled himself with so much class, despite being in the spotlight since he was, what, sophomore in high school, probably At even least, before yeah. that. Yeah, freshman, sophomore in high school, because he he became he became six foot five pretty quick. Yeah, and so you you know, and you think about it, he doesn't even turn twenty one until June. I mean, what, what were we doing? We were we were probably a bunch of knuckleheads when we were 20 and 21. And this guy is, is handling himself with uh, well beyond his, his years. Pat, I started college at seven. I started college at 17 and graduated at 21. So, uh, you know, yeah, just, you're, just you're still me. the embodiment of, of mature adulthood. Exactly. All the time. Yeah. But no, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, th- this kid is a kid who's impossible to not like. I mean, I, I say all the time that they're big kids, but they're still kids. No, Trace Smith's a man. That's a man. I mean, that's a grown man. That's a dude who, and not just because he looks like a grown man, because he walks, talks, and acts like one, too. You talk to him, it's like you're talking to a 10-year NFL pro. Yeah, and something else that Pruitt said, and and, um, and kind of connecting it to what Trey said, I asked him uh, if he if he had told any of his teammates, and he said pretty much that he did. Yeah. <laughs> and you think about that, um, he said the only people that really knew were the people, you know, the people in the media relations, maybe the VFL films guys, 
um, the people that helped put this this press conference on. And, you know, I think he had a graphic made that he tweeted. You know, the people that made that obviously helped him and knew his decision. But uh, outside of that, it wasn't a whole lot of people. But Jeremy Pruitt was one of them. And, and I think Pruitt said um, something along the lines of he, he handled this as, as well as, as you can. And um, I, I think that's the case. Uh, and so I think for from Trey's standpoint, um, he's glad to get this decision out of the way. I thought he handled it during the season, too, because he got asked about it after the Vanderbilt game. Oh, gosh, yes. All he got year. asked about it um, in Jacksonville after a practice. got asked about it after the game. And, you know, again, he was very consistent in his answer. I'm just I'm focused on the team. I'm focused on the team. I want to enjoy this moments with the team. Uh, then Wh- when which the usually comes, means we'll, I'm going, you know. you know. It usually means I'm going. Yeah, and, and so, you know, and to his credit, once – you know, once they played that final game a week, you know, a week ago, team got back. He was, um, he was into hiding, I think is how he put it, um, and, and sort of, you know, in hunker down mode and made a decision. He said he made it three or four days before Thursday, so he did a good job of keeping that uh, um, quiet. We tried to get a read on him, and I think both of us were kind of thinking, leaning towards. Sounds like he was staying, but yep, there was always he, he didn't. He didn't tip his hand a whole lot, and, and there were people the people that did know didn't tip their hands very much either. So, um, but that's you know that's how he how he does how he does it. And I asked him, uh, I think the first question I asked him was a, was there just relief, and he was like, yeah, I can go back into hiding now. And he talked about wanting to go play video games at Bradley Locklear's house. So, um, that that gets you back to this guy. Yeah, he's a man. He's you know all these things. But he's still kind of a college kid who wants to just go goof off every now and then. He, you know, yeah, he, I think he, Trey doesn't mind the spotlight. I think he knows how to handle himself, but I also think he enjoys kind of going into hiding is, is the way he put it and kind of being behind the scenes and just being a college football player and, and being at Tennessee and, and being with his team. You're talking about a kid who took his Xbox the 360 uh, and his um, and his Nintendo Switch both down to Jacksonville for bowl week. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about he's, he's still a kid. Uh, but, yeah, you, you're right, Pat. I, I, I thought – um, if you had told me any point this week and you said, you know, put a gun to my head and said, you got to pick, I would say, I think he stays, but I would not have put any money on it. Not one penny, uh, because I, I didn't know for sure. Uh, Pruitt, uh, told me he figured out, I think Tuesday, uh, I think was the day that, that he, that he was told. So even he didn't know for a while. So yeah, I mean this 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 whole thing and Pruitt, you're going to hear it uh, here in this second segment. We're getting ready to get to, to break here and go listen to that. But uh, you'll hear during that segment, Pruitt did say that that he didn't know until Tuesday, but that he thought Trey Smith and his family handled this so well that like they could make a book out of it and kids could study that book for the next hundred years. On this is exactly how you handle the NFL draft process if you're a junior. So so th- those are pretty strong words. Um, for a coach to come out and say people can study this and do exactly what this kid did in his family and they'll be fine. Uh, and honestly, if you had told me that, that, that Trey Smith, if you had said how will he and his family handle that situation, I would have told you that's exactly how they'll handle that situation just because that's what kind of people they are. So uh, big news for Tennessee there. Uh, and when we're going to step away from break because what else is big news is the products and, and services and in-house ads that you hear on these commercial breaks. So what we're going to do is we're going to step away. We're going to pay some bills, do all that. Uh, we're going to come back and you're going to hear a couple things. You're going to hear, uh, you're going to hear Trey Smith's uh, press conferences, opening statement. Uh, then you're going to hear uh, Trey Smith off to the side, speaking with reporters after the press conference. And then you'll hear Jeremy Pruitt off to the side after the press conference. 
also speaking about Trey Smith. You're going to hear those three things in that order, uh, and then you're going to hear another commercial break, and then you're going to come back, and you're going to hear me, and you're going to hear Pat talking about what this means for Tennessee's offensive line, for its offense, for its entire football team, because this was huge news, but uh, it was not the only huge news uh, that came out Thursday for Tennessee vis-a-vis the offensive line. So lots of stuff to talk about, and we're going to step away from break and do that, and we're going to come back, and uh, you're going to hear uh, from the men who are the center point, the center point of this story, and, and then you're going to come back and hear again from these two yahoos from Go Balls 24-7. Hashtag ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You know, first off, I just want to thank everybody for coming out. I know this is a... a huge day for Trey and his family and, and um, something that he's really worked hard for throughout his career. Uh, I want to say a little bit about him. Uh, first off, as just a, a student athlete and a representative of the University of Tennessee. Um, I've had the privilege of coaching a lot of um, outstanding young men uh, throughout my career. and. Um, I would say that Trey is uh, as good a student, as good a representative, uh, good a teammate as any that I've ever been around. The circumstances that it's um, kind of been presented to him over the last um, 24 months uh, were very unusual. Um, and the fact that he's been able to overcome them and, and uh, become the type of player that he has become without the opportunity to being able to participate every day in practice. Uh, can't say enough about his work ethic, uh, his commitment to excellence, um, you know, on and off the field, but um, really he's probably one of the better football players in this entire country. Uh, and he's done that uh, not being able to practice each week. Um, and if you know anything about the game of football, it's a developmental game, especially the position that he plays. Um, you know, you're sitting there relying on three or four other guys beside you, but the fact that he's been able to to plug in there on Saturdays and, and be able to produce and play at the level that he's been able to play at speaks volumes of him uh, and his commitment to excellence. Uh, with that, I'm going to let Trey um, come up here and talk. First and foremost, I want to give all the, God, all the praise, honor, and glory to God for allowing me to be here in this situation. I want to thank you all for coming out today. I have a long list of thanks before I begin. I want to thank my family and friends for being by my side. I want to thank Coach Mickey Marley, Coach Samper, Coach Hardigree, Coach King, the Bradleys, and Artis Hicks for helping me in high school and seeing potential in my abilities. I want to thank Coach Pruitt, Coach Fulmer, Coach Friend, Coach Fitzgerald, Coach Mike Farrell, Coach Cameron Clemens, and the entire coaching staff for their wisdom and guidance and support. I wanted to give a special thanks to Dr. Klink, Geronimo Boche, Jason McVay, Alex Medina, and the entire medical staff at the University of Tennessee. I want to thank all of my teammates from past and present who I've grinded with, struggled with while playing football. I want to thank all of All Nation for their continual love and support for not only myself, 
and my entire team throughout the years. You see, my story begins in West Tennessee in a city named Jackson. Ever since I was a child, I dreamt of playing SEC football. I used to pray and ask God that he would make me 6'5 so I could be big enough to play the game I love. Fast forward to my sophomore year in football, and there I was, 6'5", and big enough to play the game at a high level. Shortly after I began receiving offers to play Division I football, I received numerous scholarships to major SEC universities. Life was great. Everything was great. However, the stark reality of life struck at an early age. My mother, Dorsetta Smith, fell sick and died. Soon after, which completely crushed my world. Excuse me. From that point since, I've been on a mission to fulfill my promise to her. I had to decide what institution was for me. Ultimately, I had to choose home. I fell in love with this university. From watching Juwan score the game winner at UGA to breaking a streak in Neyland against Florida. When it was time to sign my papers and make a decision, I knew my home was in the state of Tennessee at the University of Tennessee. Tennessee is where I was raised, where I belong. I arrived on campus a wide-eyed freshman, nervous, anxious about the task I faced. I played well my first year. However, adversity struck. I was diagnosed with blood clots in 2017, near the end of the season. I fought back again, had another setback in 2018. I persevered and came back this season and fought for everything I could. Now as we sit here today, I'm faced with a life-changing decision. You see, my mom was sick. I promised her that I would receive my degree and diploma, and I would play in the NFL one day. I want to be 100% sure of my decision. With that being said, I will honor my mother, Dressetta Smith. I made up my mind and don't expect to ever look back. I'm going to say at the University of Tennessee, Peace now that this is this decision's out of the way. Yeah, I'm definitely relieved, man. Go back to hiding, <laughs> chill out, get my body better and get ready for this upcoming season. Just what, what was? The, did you get a lot of sleep this past few days? Was it tough to, to kind of go through this process? I know you went pretty in depth into it. Yeah, I just tried to put my mind off for a little bit. Just going to play some NCAA at Riley Locklear's house. Just chilled out pretty much. Trey, I, don't, I assume you kind of did this on purpose. You, you quoted Peyton Manning there. Yeah. With your, what was that process like? When did you decide to do that? Um, you know, making my decision when I knew I was going to come back. I wanted to pay homage to the GOAT, obviously. Um, best to ever do it here. One of the best to ever do it, obviously, of all time. Um, you know, I just wanted to be able to, you know, bring that little piece of legacy, if that makes sense, you know, bring that back to Tennessee to get the sign that back. You said you promised your mom multiple things. Mm-hmm. Why was coming back to school the, the biggest promise in the end? Uh, and then I hadn't received my degree yet, which, of course, if I did make the decision to go to the NFL after I was done playing, the day after I would come back to school and get my degree. Um, you know, that's one of the things that she always emphasized growing up. Uh, you got to get an education on something that can never take away from you. So that's something that's always stuck with me. You know, that's one of my goals in life. Get my education, receive my degree, then obviously play in the NFL. What will your degree be in? Uh, sports management. What do, you, what do you think your mom would say today to you? Uh, she'd be proud, man. She'd be really proud. She would have been nervous. Uh, just all the medical stuff that she did very proud of. Trey, just, do, you, do you feel like you answered questions that the NFL may have had about the medical condition this year? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did you get that indication from talking to the advisory board? Yeah, yes, sir. Um, there's still questions, obviously, circulating. Um, you know, obviously, you want to leave when your stock is highest. You know, there are a lot of concerns. So 
in my mind it wasn't a good decision. So staying this year, proving myself, proving my worth, proving my health is good, you know, that's the decision I ultimately decided to make with my family. Have, have you had talked to Russell Oko or, or reached out to him or aware of the situation? No, nah, no, sir, I haven't. What, what would you say helped your stock? I mean, how, without getting too specific, how much do you think you can, based on what you were told, what you think your potential is, how much can you improve your stock? And was that the biggest reason, because you thought you could improve it a great deal as to why you would come back, one of the reasons why? I think one of the reasons I came back is I didn't play as well as I wanted to this year. I think I left a lot on the table, a lot of mistakes, a lot of bad plays. Um, thing about offensive line, you got to be consistent. I mean, I could have 20 players where I'm on somebody, but if I have about five where I'm getting beat, I'm on the ground, losing balance, you know, in my mind, it's not a good game. That's not where I want to be in my level of, game, level of play. Excuse me. So how do you attack it this year, knowing what the plan is and how the medical plan works? How, how can you improve your stock if you're not practicing a great deal more in terms of contact? How do you go about what's the plan for you, not medically, but what's the plan for you to get better, given now you know how to manage the medical thing? Yeah, to get my body at the best level and best way it's ever been. You know, just make sure I'm losing the weight, eating correctly, getting stronger in every facet I can. But I think the main uh, piece that we're missing is just the mental processing, just staying in the film room, living in there, meeting with Coach Chaney. Um, be the first year I'll ever be under offense, a system for two years in a row. So, you know, that's a, that's a big benefit and a big plus. We're going to see where that leads. You know, beginning of the season, I was still trying to figure out what we did on this play, you know, trying to rely on BK as a crutch, you know, a lot of times. Now this year, I'm coming in, I can almost make the clears as well. So, you know, it's just a, it's a development thing, like, like uh, even Coach Pruitt mentioned. It's a developmental position, and with that, just the mental processing just has to be that much more high. And sure. Were you able to find out how comparable your plan at Tennessee that worked so well for you this year is to how they would manage it in the NFL? Um, uh, essentially, this is going to be the same plan, you know, uh, whatever team decides and if that opportunity presents itself, whatever they do decide, that's what we're going to go through with. Um, once again, just, you know, this year is going to be proving myself. Just sticking to that, you know, it's sort of like one of those things where when that time comes, we'll cross that bridge when it gets there. So. You, said, you said you didn't tell many people. Did you tell any of your teammates before you, you walked in here today? I really don't think so, man. I was just, <laughs> Did you tell them beforehand that you weren't going to let anybody know until you announced it? Yeah, most, uh, pretty much everybody doesn't know. Yeah, the only people who knew were the media people who were helping me. And I want to give a special thanks to them because without without them, this would be very hard. Pick one more, guys. You, you mentioned that this. you mentioned that you know we, we ask you this all the time you know throughout the season about the uh, NFL draft and the process and everything, and you would often say you know I'm not thinking about it moving on. But how much did this decision weigh on you throughout the entire season? Not at all. <laughs> um, my high school coach Mickey Marley, man, he's a wise man and uh, a great figure in my life. You know, when I was getting recruited in high school, he used to say, man, don't worry about all that stuff. You still got to play on Friday night. So why would I worry about the NFL on Sundays when I'm still playing on Saturday? I got about the street tech, you know. And that's sort of a mentality I've always got from him. Worry about what's in front of you. A fool's going to look to the future and not worry about what's in front of him in the present. Uh, you may have already answered this, but when did you kind of come to the final decision and when did you officially know? And was there maybe a coming to Jesus kind of moment, so yeah. to speak? Yeah. Uh, like three or four days ago, you know, I guess it's official. Uh, I already had the seeds in my mind. I want to come back here. I want to be great. I want to leave a legacy of Tennessee. I love this university. I love the people. So, But, you know, coming back, it was ultimately a business decision as well because you, you have to take that into account. It's business at that level. Thanks, Trey. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Trey. Jimmy, what's your response to the news that Trey is returning? You know, first off, the, you know, the way Trey and his family handled this, um, 
you know, they've done everything exactly the way you should do it. Uh, if you could probably uh, write a book on how, how to handle this situation, um, it would be something that you could pass down for the next hundred years. I mean, when it comes to, um, you know, taking the information that they gathered, uh, focusing on school, focusing on practice, focusing on the bowl game, and then when it was over with, coming back and setting down. Uh, so can't say enough about uh, the time and effort that, that him and his family put into to meeting with folks and gathering the information that they wanted to get to make a decision for Trey um, and our medical staff. Uh, you look at what Dr. Klink and, and the guys that work with him, what they've done over the last 24 months to number one, give him an opportunity to play football, um, keeping him safe, being able to manage it throughout the year and the things that they've got planned moving forward. I think that the NFL can say first round, second round, or you need to come back. What, what was the evaluation that you understand in the NFL? Well, it, it's it's kind of an unusual circumstance. I mean, Trey's one of the best players in college football, right? Uh, you know, he, he knows what his value is. Uh, but with the circumstances it was presented to him, uh, not being able to practice, it probably, I mean, I don't know how anybody can go play at the level that he's played and not practice, but he's managed to be able to do that. Hopefully with a plan moving forward, it will give him an opportunity to continue to improve as a player and it will improve his draft stock. What did the NFL say though? What, what was their grade? Well, that's between, that's, that's between him okay. and his family. How much will it help you going into the next season, even the spring, with already a plan that you guys went through last season and how to handle Trey Smith and after games and when you're going to practice or not? Well, um, you know, that's with the medical staff and, you know, I think Trey is, is he's wanting to be able to participate one day a week and that's something that they're working hard to be able to do and something that, you know, when you talk to Dr. Klink and his staff, it's something that looks like it's going to be possible. Practice full contact one day a week. That, 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 that's the, the plan moving forward. Jeremy, what's this? I guess, what's this do for your offense? What's this do for your guys up front coming back to kind of have another anchor like Trey to kind of build things around a little bit? Well, it starts with leadership. Uh, you know, you see him standing out there at the podium, uh, the type of person he is, the family that he comes from, his values, uh, just all the intangibles. Take away the athletic ability, which is phenomenal. I'm just talking about the makeup, who he is. Uh, it's contagious, um, you know, and it's going to give him an opportunity to kind of finish what he started and it's something he's looking forward to doing. What was your advice to him as he went through this process? Well, I'm, I'm not an NFL coach, so uh, I have no idea about what round anybody's going to get drafted in. You know, I, I coach at Tennessee, but we do have connections uh, in the NFL that we put him with, whether it was GMs or owners or head coaches or whoever, to let them decide on this decision. When did he let you know what his first decision was? Ah, I think Tuesday. In what you ways? Expect, if you're looking to 2020, did you expect that you had a chance to have him on this team for next year? You know, this is, we're going to always support our student athletes. You know, um, if, if Trey decided to, to, you know, enter the draft, we'd be all behind him. If he wants to stay, we're all behind him. That's that's between him and his family. We're here to help them grow uh, as student athletes and, and players uh, while they're under our care. And then we will put them around the right folks to help them make decisions that can affect their 
you know, affect them for the rest of their life. He had a great year. Where do you see him being able to improve? Well, consistency, you know. Uh, I think Trey will be the first one to tell you. You could watch a course of a game and there's, there's 10 to 17 plays in a game that he may be playing as good as anybody in the country, you know, and then he plays at a high level. Um, you know, the rest of the game, there's probably six to 12 plays in the game where you're thinking, where did that come from? Well, it comes mm -hmm. from the fact that he didn't be, he didn't get a chance to experience it at practice, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, you're talking about two padded practices in the last 12 months. So uh, when you look at game six or seven, um, you're talking about that basically from the, the days that he played on, on game day, you're talking about one week's worth of practice that he's had of, of live contact football. He said he's overly aggressive, but from a coach's perspective, do you like that? Well, he, he's kind of got the edge because he don't get a chance to hit nobody <laughs> during the week. So he's he's ready to hit them <laughs> on Saturday. So uh, now Trey's a guy that, um, you know, he's a, he's a really good student of the game. He's going to continue to grow and develop, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we're excited that he's coming back. He's a, a huge piece. Uh, kind of of our football team. He's a great leader. Uh, he's a great player. And uh, I know once he decided to do this, you heard him. He, there's no looking back. He's ready to get started, and, and we are too. Jeremy, I don't know if we've got a chance to ask you about Brandon Kennedy yet. You know, he's told us he'd gotten that sixth year. I guess with the with Trey's news today and with Brandon coming back, how, how, how nice is that to, to kind of build some stuff up front with those two vets? Well, there's, there are two guys that's been around for a while. Um, they're very mature, uh, you know. They're, they they kind of have a profess professionalism about them uh, when it comes to how they go about their business, uh, whether it's on the field or off the field. So, it you know, and they got a chance, both of them, to be really good football players, and we've got them coming back. So, um, we've got great leadership in that room, um, and these guys will affect not only that room, the rest of the offense, and the rest of the team. All right, one more for Coach. If Trey were to get clear from once a week full contact practice, do you know when you would slot that in? Do you have a plan for you know, early to first late week? Um, we, we, we've not went down that road yet, so um, it's, it's something that we'll, we'll talk about as we get closer to that point. All right. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you're not uh, contractually, morally, ethically, spiritually obligated in any way, shape, or form to listen to those ads. Uh, you can always just hit the fast-forward button, but we appreciate those people who don't do that. That helps us at CBS Sports, helps us at 24-7 Sports, helps us at Go Vols 24-7, and who knows, it might even might even help you. Uh, I was talking earlier about this, uh, Pat, before we step on and, and talk here about Tennessee football. I brought it up with Ryan that I think at some point in the future we'll probably be reading our own ads. And, and I asked him if he thought we could handle that, and he kind of rode the fence with the answer. It may not surprise you to hear that, but he did not have the optimism 
uh, that I think the rest of us have about that. I think the rest of us, we feel like we could dominate some ad reads, couldn't we? Oh, without a doubt. Especially, we, we need some Grant Ramey ad reads. Those would be hysterical. Because <laughs> like, that guy doesn't get fired up about anything. He'd be like, you know what? This bed is so comfortable that uh, my life is exactly the same as it was before I was sleeping on it. Uh, but maybe your life will be different because maybe you emote. Maybe you feel things. Maybe you're a human being. Uh, and enter podcast code GoVols247 to get the, the discount. That, that would be a Ramey <laughs> well, I, ad, I think. Well, I know that you have some radio experience, so you've read you've read on-air liners before. Um, I, I have some on-air experience from back at WUTK. The, there you uh, go. i got to give the uh, UT's radio station a shout-out. The Rock. Like semester the Rock. DJing there. Yeah, The Rock. Did their sports show a couple few semesters. Um, but I know Grant and I for sure have um, on-air ad experience because uh, we took a mini-term class, a sports broadcasting go. class one summer. That was actually, I think, where I met Grant Ramey. Was that, was that a Dr. Uh, Sam Swan special, that class? Oh, oh it, was a, it, was a, it was a Dr. Swan special. And uh, one of our assignments, quote-unquote, was that we had to go to a Tennessee Smokies game and um, basically like call the game into a recorder. <laughs> As that was the project. And so we were like, we were put in a groups of three and you'd spend three innings as the play by play guy and they'd rotate into like different roles. So you had to, you ended up having to call, um, I think six innings of the game and one or the other. And, and I think everybody in the class, uh, we all, we all made up our own ads. We'd be like, this is the third inning sponsored by Bud Light. Except I think Grant was probably drinking a few Bud Lights while he was doing this. Probably. <laughs> this, this is one of my first early. This is one of my earliest Grant Ramey memories. Um, I'm sure he won't, won't mind me telling this story. No, he like won't. Ten care. years ago. So, um, but uh, yeah. So we we have extensive uh, radio ad experience. Now CBS may hear this and be like, "Yeah, we're not letting you guys read." Uh, be like, be so like, I just yeah, be, it for us. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Grant Ramey. I'm here to talk to you about subs, subs, subs. You want to get big DNC. like me? <laughs> do you like creatine? Do you like steroids? I do too. I'm Grant Ramey. Take this. And I think that's that's what we, that's where our ad should be, anyways. Bottom line is, you don't have to go listen to those, but we appreciate the people who do that. Uh, back to Tennessee football, Pat. Um, Trey Smith's news was obviously uh, huge news that came out for Tennessee on Thursday. Uh, the Vols, uh, all, all SEC potential All American offensive lineman coming back for his senior season. It's obviously a huge deal for Tennessee. But you start putting the pieces together on this, um, and it's more about just that because uh, Cade Mays, former five-star prospect himself from uh, Knoxville Catholic High School, which, you know, ipso facto, you know, because I went there and because so many of us went there, is, is actually the greatest high school uh, in recorded human history. Uh, but he's a five-star prospect from there. He is transferring from Georgia, where he has been a starter for a lot of the past two seasons, uh, most of the past two seasons, and he's going to transfer back to Tennessee to play with his brother, play at the play at the college his dad played for. Uh, so that's big news for Tennessee. Not sure if he will be eligible or not. The family thinks they have a case. Uh, there's another podcast where Ryan Callahan and I this morning uh, are talking about that. So uh, you can go listen to that podcast too. But the bottom line is, he has a chance uh, to be eligible to play for Tennessee next season. Obviously, we know Wanya Morris and Darn Darnell Wright are also five-star prospects, and they were starters as true freshmen for most of this season. Uh, so next year, it's possible, because um, Brandon Kennedy, Tennessee senior uh, center, is coming back for a, a sixth season. So you, you could potentially have Brandon Kennedy flanked by four five-stars as Tennessee's offensive line next season. 
And just because you were a five star doesn't mean you're you're gonna be a, a bad mother trucker. But um, that's a pretty good looking offensive line potentially for Tennessee next season. Well, you, you said it. Trey Trey Smith is a bad mother trucker. Yes. First of all, um, he's the first guy off the bus every time. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think he's got enough Twitter clips out there of him just mauling people to uh, to back up that statement. Uh, I, I don't know that Cade Mays is on that level but he he can be a pretty nasty road grader of a guard which is i think is what he'll play at tennessee i, I think they got enough at tackle or they don't need to play him out there i know he did some of that at georgia um maybe that's not his strong suit they'll see he can play he played everywhere at georgia's offensive line so i guess technically everything is on the table um and then darnell Wright, and wanye morris um that they, they were they were freshmen this season but they're gonna get better and they're gonna be really good and, and I thought Wanye was pretty uh, they, good for most of the end of the season there. Yeah, and and you know they had their freshman moments, and they you know they look like freshmen at times, but they're going to get really good. Darnell Wright, you know, with a whole off season, a whole spring, uh, he's going to be a gr- good, probably a great player. So a lot of reasons to get excited about all of those stars, but that's not the only guy Tennessee has on the offensive line, which I think is what makes this such a great situation for uh, for the balls moving forward. Is you got guys like I me, mean, Karon Calvert start over Darnell Wright in the bowl game. And I think he could really be well a pro. I think, he, I think he could be a pro one day. I really do. Um, you know, a, a guy that, you know, two years ago was on the verge of, of giving up football because he, he just couldn't get healthy. Now he's healthy. He's playing well. He's enjoying it. He's having fun. Um, coaches like him. Teammates like him. Uh, you throw Jerome Carvin in there. He started a dozen games over the past two seasons. Um, he was another guy that was, I think, at one point in the year on the verge of redshirting, and then they – threw him in there against Mississippi State, and he did pretty well, and he started the rest of the season. So, I need to throw Riley Lockley in there. He was, you know, solid, dependable. I don't think he started very much, but he, played, he was in the rotation just about every game. So, yeah, he's a tough guy. He's, uh, he's a and, solid player. Yeah, another guy that, that they trust and like on the interior. And then, you know, Jameer Johnson was an 11-game starter in 2018. Obviously, he had, you know, the knee injury uh, this past season. And, um, you know, so they, they have a lot of options on this offensive line. And then, you know, they got a pretty – good young nucleus coming in there too with a couple of guys they redshirted this year uh, and the other guys I got coming in in this class uh, and so it's it's what you want from a talent and a numbers uh, standpoint and so uh, when, when, when Pruitt and these guys got here I think the offensive line was like the top position that they needed to improve and upgrade the most I think that was pretty clear oh yeah in every, uh, in every way, the way they played. in every way needed to get bigger 2018 stronger. season yeah and the way they were just decimated and were just so abysmal the 2017 season as well um and, and you get a guy like Trey Smith to come back and you and you bring in a guy like Cade Mays who's a I mean more or less a, a two-year starter at the best team in your division mm-hmm. I mean that that's that's one way to expedite the process and you, a, top, you a, a top five team in college football too yeah yeah, you, you 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 get those two guys on your team. You get Brandon Kennedy, again a grad transfer that they brought in. Get him a sixth year. Bring in the two five stars. That that's how you expedite a process and you develop guys. You take guys like Karon Calvert, who are developmental prospects, and you uh, and you stick it. You know, you stick with them as they kind of go through some growing pains and go through some inconsistency. Same with Carvin, who is another four star. So, um, get it getting. Cade and Trey on, you know, to come back both on kind of on top of each other this week. I mean, that's how you expedite this process to get your offensive line to where you know okay, your offensive line is going to be good. Now, I, 
I think I wrote this earlier in the week, but I think we know enough at this point about Jeremy Pruitt and about his staff uh, that they're going to be solid to great on defense every year. We'll see if they get to being elite. Um, but you know they're they're going to play well enough on defense to yeah, be in a lot of games. Yeah, they're never going to be bad on defense, I don't think. And now you can, um, you're, you're to the point now where with just based on the personnel that they have on the offensive line that starting next season, you expect the same from that group. You expect that group to be good to great. And with some of these guys, I think elite is on the table depending on some of these uh, some of these other guys develop. I mean, when you, when you talk about getting Kennedy back, who's such an important piece on the center of the offensive line and having having Trey be there and, you know, kind of setting the tone for the whole group. I think, you know, I th- you know, Cade was committed for so long that, you know, he, he's going to know some of these guys. So that should be a pretty seamless transition with him coming over. And, um, you know, we, we sometimes we have to tell people to pump the brakes, but uh, I, I it's hard for me to sit here and say, hey, Tennessee fans, let's, let's let's pump the brakes, let's calm down on how calm down about how good this offensive line might be because you just look at who they have and you're like, can they mess this up? Yeah, I mean, like can like, they really mess this up? I mean, the, the it's, it's almost like it's the a situation where good. they are built to have success. Yeah, the basement is good. Like like the basement, the, like they're they're going to have enough talent, experience, and size and depth and all those things now. Where where the basement for that group, the absolute basement, is that they're pretty good. Uh, I, they will not Which is a lot better will, than what they have been. Oh gosh, yes, they were they were so bad two years ago. They were just so so bad two years ago. And last year, statistically, PFF didn't have them graded that high. I, and I know that they have their reasons for that, and we've we've waxed poetic before about how awesome those PFF numbers are. But it's hard for me to watch film of that group last season and say that that was one of like the twenty or thirty worst offensive lines in college football. I didn't get that vibe uh, from watching them. I'm not saying they were good, but uh, and at times they were pretty pretty rough. But overall, there were also times they were pretty darn good. And and, and I think you know they could have been more consistent. Um, but I think that group was okay last year. And, and I think now you look at everything they got coming back and you're, I'm with you, Patty, you know, we do, it's like, we're like professional wet blankets at times because that's what people get so excited. You know, it's like revving the engine up every off season. It's like pulling a rubber band back, you know, the, the longer a time that you don't see the team, you just anticipate that it's always getting better. So you're just like pulling that rubber band back and, and then it's just like you get excited. Uh, and we often say, yeah, calm down a little bit, guys. I don't know. You know, let's just, they got to prove a lot. No, that offensive line should be good. Now, what are they going to do with the quarterback position? They got a lot to figure out there. Uh, at wide receiver, uh, they're clearly adding, you know, they had a guy like uh, Valus Jones Jr. from uh, USC. You know, D'Angelo Gibbs is healthy next season. Brandon Johnson comes back. Josh Palmer is very physically gifted. Ramel Keaton and Cedric Tillman have shown you some things. They've signed three guys who can run really well they're going to be throwing darts at a board to figure some things out there, but they have some potential there, but there are some questions. Uh, Tight end, uh, what are they going to do there? I don't know. There's some questions on that offense, but when you talk about the size and experience and the talent level on that offensive line, and you have an experienced offensive line coach like Will Friend, you got Jim Chaney, which is like having another offensive line coach, uh, it's hard not to get excited about what they could do. Like if I'm Will Friend right now, uh, I am drinking the tallest, coldest beer in Knoxville because I'm just thrilled about how the past couple of weeks have gone with all you get Kennedy and, and now Trey Smith's coming back, and then you get you know uh, you get Kate Mazes a transfer. You're signing some guys you really like. Uh, you got Calvert and all those other guys that that can play. He should be excited right now. I know there's pressure on him, but man, that's. 
I, I don't want to pump the brakes on this. I think people should be excited about this offensive line. He, Will Friend looked pretty, pretty happy. He was at Trey's press conference on Thursday. He looked, he looked genuinely, I wouldn't say giddy, but he looked like a guy who was having a good day. Um, and, and even, you know, even in a situation that, that Cade Mays is not eligible this season, it's still a pretty good situation because Trey's coming back. Even if the, you know, the old Tennessee, it would have been Trey goes, goes pro and, uh, and they get Cade Mays, but he's, he, he has to sit out. There's still, you know, there's still some good pieces on this offensive line. Like I said, a lot of people, and I got caught up doing this too, saying, and, you know, when, when, <clears throat> when, the, when the Cade stuff hit on Wednesday, I was like, hey, they, you know, it's a possibility they could have four or five stars on the offensive line. There's still some other good players there that are that you know, and, that, and that's the thing about this situation is with those guys like Calvert and Carvin, some of those other guys, you're gonna have competition there. And if you're gonna start and you're gonna play for this group, you're gonna have to earn it. And if you're gonna get snaps for this group, you're gonna have to earn it. Um, and, and you know, we've seen that they will rotate in games um, with this with this group. They rotated in some games a lot early on. I think as the season went on, that kind of trimmed it down to just a couple spots they were rotating. But um, if if They've shown that if if you deserve to play, they you know, well, a friend will play you. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot to like about this situation. Obviously, if you're Jack Garantano, some of the offensive lines you've played behind in your Tennessee career, you know, you got to be pretty excited about this group because uh, you played with a lot of with a couple of these guys for a long time. Eric Gray and the running backs ought to be having a party right now. I mean, uh, they should have some huge running lanes to, to run through next year and. Um, what this situation with the offensive line does is, it, I don't want to say it alleviates some of the concerns at other positions, but you know, if, if you're Tennessee's wide receiver group, you, you're not going to have to go out there and, and be dependent on to go maybe necessarily win games like this group was this year with, with Marquez Calloway and Juwan Jennings. You know, Tennessee had to rely on those guys because they were the best bets on offense. Now the best bet on offense is pounding the football behind these all these 300-pound guys that they got up front uh, that that. A lot of these guys, other than Wanye and Darnell Wright, have been in, the, been in the program for three and four years, or they've been in a program for three and four years now. And I'll tell so, you what this also does, um, Pat. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And so, you know, you, if you're Tennessee, you're thinking, we're going to win games by playing defense and pounding people on offense. And so that takes some of the pressure off some of these new guys at receiver. And, and I, I personally, I think that's a huge concern at receiver, other than Josh Palmer. I think Ramel Keaton could be really good. Um, I am in totally – Believe it when I see it, mode on D'Angelo Gibbs. Um, He's a really good athlete. You know, Bellis Jones. He's a really good athlete. Bring, Gibbs is brings some speed. Uh, the USC transfer, but you know he didn't put up a lot of numbers out there. I think there were some reasons for that. But um, you know Brandon Johnson's a solid, solid slot guy. I don't think he's going to be spectacular. Uh, and I like some of the freshmen they they brought in, but they're freshmen. They're going to be inconsistent. They're going to be. You know, there's going to be ups and downs. They may drop some passes. They may run some wrong routes, things like that. So, um, and and tight ends also a big concern for me because I don't you huge know, concern. Who do they huge, have beyond huge. Austin Pope? I think he's a big question mark. So, um, uh, you know, but with the offensive line, there's you, you, there's reason to get excited about the direction it's going. Um, and there's and like I said, we we have sometimes we have to pump the brakes. Usually we're having to do it in August, not January. But uh, when, when you've had the two days uh this week like tennessee's had with uh, getting cade mays again we got to see if he's eligible but at this point 
just kind of reading that situation a little bit, it looks like it's a pot. It looks like it's a legitimate possibility. Getting Cade, getting Trey back. Uh, it's hard not to be really excited about the future of this offensive line and, and what it could be next season. And before we step out of here, Pat, I think we're both getting bleary eyed at this point. But I, but I think the one thing I I do want to mention this too. Being this this potentially deep and and good on the offensive line, what this does is this starts a chain reaction. Uh, because it helps your own defensive line and your own linebacker core every single day in practice. Because if you're Tennessee, you're thinking about this. What's one of the biggest things you got to do on defense, right? You got to replace Daniel Batuli, uh, and you got Henry Toto there. You feel good about that. That kid's gonna. That kid's just gonna be a stud. Uh, but you're gonna. You got some guys beside him that you're gonna have to develop, and guys you're gonna have to throw in the mix. And you know. Well, you know, we'll see what happens if Banks comes back. You know, or, or, you know, JJ Peterson's a guy who who can you know do a couple things. Maybe they, maybe he has a breakout year worth an opportunity. Maybe Quavar's couch moves inside, um, but they got some they got some things to figure out there. Uh, and on the defensive line, they're bringing back a bunch of numbers, uh, but a bunch of those guys are are pretty good players. I don't know if there's a stud up there, um, but but they got a. The, they got numbers there, and they got got guys who are decent players, and then they've really got some things to figure out with the edge rusher with Daryl Taylor gone. But if you're this good at offensive line every day in practice, and you have that much talent, and you're you're even able to throw like a three deep out there of like pretty competent players to go against your own first, second, and third team defense every day, what you're doing is you're creating competition every day. You're creating those defensive linemen are going to have to go out there and play pretty well, those front seven guys, because if they don't, they're going to get pancaked a lot, and they're going to get embarrassed. Uh, and, and nobody who's actually a competitive person wants to do that. So what you do here is it starts a chain reaction where it helps everything in the program, right? It takes a little bit of pressure off the quarterback. Um, it, it maybe means you don't have to rely quite as much on those wide receivers you're trying to break in. Maybe you, you don't have to play a lot of two tight end sets because you don't have a lot of depth there, and those guys – aren't doing a ton yet, so you don't want to lean on them too much. And then it helps your defense every day in practice when they're going against those guys. So being really good on the offensive line, that's a really good place to be good at because you start a chain reaction there where it starts affecting every single thing in the program. And I think that's something that kind of gets lost in the shuffle is what's one of the reasons why the Clemsons and Alabamas and Georgias of the world have been just dominating everybody? Well, it's because they they have the talent, they're recruiting it every year, but they're also having – kind of a competitive edge every day on the practice field where you got good guys practicing against good guys and kind of cream starts rising to the top and you get really really good when you're competing when you have somebody pushing you every day in practice whether that's your own position mate uh, whether that's the guy on the other side of the ball you need to be pushed kind of consistently to be at your best in this sport and Tennessee being this potentially good on the offensive line to me that's a huge story because it can help everybody in the program yeah no doubt I think I don't have anything to add to that. It was so good. <laughs> to quote James Carville in, in uh, Old School. I feel like, was, was that like my Will Ferrell moment where I sort, sort of blacked out? And blacked out. I blacked out. What happened? Pat, before we step out here, is there anything else uh, of note? I know we didn't do a ton on the yak stuff, but, you know, it's a running backs coach. Uh, Tennessee is going to miss the guy. He's a good recruiter. He's a good, he's a good dude, a good coach. Uh, I think Jeremy Pruitt's got a pretty good track record of hiring some pretty good assistants, so I think he'll have some good options there. Um, anything you want to add on that or anything else before we step out of here? Um, we should mention that we should pour one out for Joe Doyle rule. Ah, great point. I, this, this is what happens. We didn't, I didn't, I didn't write down an outline for this, Pat. So you had to save me on that one. Good point. Well, well, punters are people too, first of all, but, um, we don't, we don't need to spend like 20 minutes on it, but 
yeah, a lot of people were curious because he was really, you know, he's pretty solid for Tennessee in 2018. Was off to a decent start this year. I've always thought Paxton Brooks had a little bit more upside. I thought Joe Doyle was a, he was going to punt it between 40 and 45 yards and probably not give up a return, which in a lot of cases is pretty good. But sometimes, sometimes you need a guy to flip the field. And I think Paxton Brooks probably has that more in his bag than maybe, um, than Doyle did. And I, Brooks also has awesome onside kicks in his bag too, for, for the record, just need to throw yeah. that back out there. Yeah, he does. Um, so that, that's, it'll be interesting to see where he lands. Cause I don't think he, I don't think Doyle was on scholarship yet. Correct. As far as I know. Um, so I'm wondering if he's looking to maybe get a scholarship opportunity somewhere else. I would think somebody who needs a punter will, will say, Hey, this guy was a freshman all American in 2018 might be a decent shot. So, um, in terms of, of what Tennessee's going to do about David Johnson, I don't think Jeremy Pruitt is in any kind of hurry. Um, at this point, I still, there might be some moving pieces, um, uh, on the coaching staff as well. They still have a couple guys that are on expiring contracts. Yep. Uh, and, and certainly we've seen already that, uh, as other coaches fill out their staffs, uh, some of the guys might get calls. Uh, that's just part of the, the silly season. And uh, as you pointed out before, Wes, uh, you always want other teams coming after your coaches because that means they're doing a good job. Uh, and I think, I think Pruitt was pretty frank about that when he talked about it in Jacksonville too. So, um, yeah, still be, if nobody wants your coaches, your coaches suck. So, and, and that could be something where Tennessee waits till after signing day as well. So I, I don't, I don't get the anticipation. Uh, I, I don't get the sense right now that, that Pruitt is, um, in a hurry to go, go hire a, a replacement. But you know, that just might mean that, you know, he goes and hires somebody by Saturday, just the way that, or maybe even Friday, the way that this week is going. So, um, that that's kind of where I'm at with that situation. Yeah, and I think uh, the last thing I'll add is that you brought up a great point with, with Joe Doyle rules, and, and I think that there were times in the second half of the season where I, I didn't think Brooks had necessarily punted well enough to kind of retain that job just as a birthright. Uh, I kind of was surprised at times that Doyle get, didn't get in there and because uh, that was going to be a weekly competition kind of deal, and there were times where Brooks just didn't have a very good game. Uh, and I thought Doyle maybe could have got an opportunity to step in there and, and get back in there and get another crack at it. But And I think when Pruitt sort of showed that it was going to be Brooks's job and that he was going to give him a little bit of a leash, uh, if we can see that from, from where we sit, you, you can darn sure believe that Joe Doyle saw that. And, and there's no hard feelings. I mean, he, there's, he's a good punter. He can go find somewhere and be productive. I mean – with the tradition of punting at Tennessee, not being the starter there is hardly some sort of damnable indictment. You know, you're just because you can't punt at punter, you necessarily as the top guy doesn't mean you can't start somewhere else. So I think he's a guy who can help somebody, and I, and I hope that he gets a good landing spot because I think he's a pretty good player. So that's what I would have to, to add on that. Got anything else, Pat? No, I think we're good. You good? You're good? You yeah, sure? Let's, let's wrap it up. Let's go home. I like it. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Brian Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey, who is very selfish and doesn't want to be a team player with 24-7 on his name, he's just Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want to go to social media and you just want Tennessee news, you don't want my 800 Corgi pictures and Cubs tweets throughout the day, uh, you don't want P Brown doing his... Uh, doing his uh, John Morant impressions. Uh, if you don't want uh, Grant Ramey doing the SUPS, uh, if you don't want Ron Callahan doing his whatever it is that he does, you just want Tennessee news, you can go get that also. Twitter.com slash GoVoss247, Facebook.com slash GoVoss247. Both of those places are all Tennessee all the time. 
all Tennessee all the time. So if you just want Tennessee stuff, you can go there and you can get that there. Or if you want to go get just that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water just directly from the source, that pure, just crystal clear water, just unfiltered deliciousness. You can go right to GoBalls247.com and get that. Right now, we've actually got a, a pretty good deal. We had a really good deal earlier this week, and we got one going on right now. Also, we got uh, two months for a dollar. Two months. Two months for one dollar, Bob. One dollar. Seriously, who doesn't have a dollar? You got a dollar to go do that. Don't tell me you don't have a dollar. I know times can be hard out there, but you got a dollar. You got a dollar. You know you do. Go do that. I don't want to peer pressure you. I don't want to. I don't want to do that to you. But stop embarrassing yourself. Just go pay for GoBoss twenty four seven. Go check us out. You won't regret it. Or if you do, we you're still giving us money, so we're good with it. Thanks, guys. Uh, if there's no other breaking news. Uh, anything crazy over the weekend with the basketball game against South Carolina, nothing crazy going on. You will hear from us again on Monday morning. Have a good weekend. See ya.